Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Word on the Hill. Or the, this isn't the Word on the Hill anymore, man. This is like the this is like the Word across the pond. Word across the pond. Yes, I am. I am actually in Oxford, England, Oxfordshire, England, at the moment. That Father Peter's back in Boulder. I can't even handle how awesome that you're in Oxfordshire. You're in the Shire, like literally. I am. Everything's a Shire here, though. Mm. So it's not. Yeah. Father Peter's looking at me on Skype, and I have a really beautiful tower right behind me where I am. It's very, very beautiful. It it really is beautiful, and the birds. You, you'll be able to hear the birds on the recording, guaranteed. And some and some bells periodically, although the top of the hour just passed. We might have to. We might miss it. But given how long we actually talk, it's. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're gonna have chances on, are. They're gonna have plenty of opportunity for bells. Yeah, I'm here studying the uh, the eschatological meaning of lank in the Pauline epistles. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Well, it should be true because I, be. I, I think that St. Paul was a lanky guy just like the rest of us here. Yeah, probably. I mean, not Aquinas, who was our namesake over at the parish. He was he was the big ox, right? Yeah, yeah the, big, the big dumb ox, actually, in the fact. The big dumb ox. Well, did anyone really call him dumb, or did they just call him the big ox? No, they called or, him. No, they called him the dumb ox. Yeah, because he didn't talk. It wasn't big. Yeah, was he big though? He yeah, was probably big. Yeah, that's big. the word. There was there was even a point in where they had to like cut out the desk in front of him. <laughs> oh, that was him. Yeah. So that. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the crazy uh, part of things. So that's the word on the hill, huh? That is the word on the hill. So, Scott, how's it been going? Like, uh, you're you're at Maryvale. I am. Yeah, not at the second, but um, that's uh, the school in which I'm studying. And like, uh, like people are presenting things to you, or you're presenting things to them. Yeah. So I've got. I mean, I'm here with a whole other group of doctoral students, um, kind of from all over the world, who uh, we're working on our research wherever we are, and then we come back here for a couple of weeks. A residency requirement. We all kind of present what we're doing. A lot of us work in different realms of the church or are teaching about the church. So it's it's really cool hearing what. I mean, I'm. I'm I've got a classmate who's working on some pro-life laws with the government in the Netherlands, and trying to to do some. Um, doctoral work on that trying trying to change the constitution in the Netherlands a guy from Cyprus who's uh, arguing about the meaning of of uh of St. Cyril of Jerusalem and it's really really cool stuff and then people in the states are doing all sorts of things with with ministry and youth ministry and it's cool it's definitely cool my uh one of my advisors just came back from the synod of bishops in Va- in the Vatican and she was one of the the experts that they asked to come down so it's it's totally totally cool that's and I'm here in Oxford meeting with uh, a guy who's, um, he was raised in a family of, of rabbis going back for centuries, and he discovered the Catholic Church, and he, uh, he came to Oxford, and he's, um, he began to study the church, and now he's a professor here, and he's got, he's got an incredible story. So it's, it's neat. It's just neat seeing how, how universal the church is. And actually, speaking of the universal church, we were scheduled to record this yesterday, and I couldn't get my act together to do it. And because we moved it today, today is actually Thursday, if, whenever you guys are listening to it. So we just got a new pope last night. So the timing couldn't have been better. Or we'd have sounded like idiots when you listened to this. Dude, it's the best. And I am so excited about this guy. Did you get a chance to see some TV footage? Because I was looking at this guy, and I was yeah. like, he is humble and intelligent, but you can tell that he's got brass. I mean, that this guy is this I think guy's so. got some. I mean, he stood he up to the Argentinian government, to the liberation theologians, and he's basically stood up to everybody. It's, yeah, he's, I, I, I'm still learning about him, but he sounds awesome. He does. Francis, I Franny, you gotta love Franny. 
he uh he was it was so cool because one of the things that he is uh having us pray for him just off the bat you could tell yeah. that this guy was um comfortable in front of everybody he just stood there he said you're come to yeah. see the pope and i will show you the pope i am here <laughs> here you go yeah he seems he seems cool i uh i heard about it last night it was 7 p.m or so when i heard about it 7 30 maybe i'm one hour off of rome time so i i get to see it you know it was dark here just like it was in rome it was kind of cool and uh, I don't really know anybody here, so I just went to, I actually went to celebrate, I went to the pub where C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien used to hang out and have their literary meetings, and I decided to have a pint there. I know they weren't Catholic, but it still seemed appropriate. So that was kind of cool. Well, T- Tolkien was Catholic, oh, even yeah, though Lewis Tolkien was Catholic. Yeah, 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 Tolkien was Catholic. Yeah, so the anyway, Inklings, man. Them. The Inklings, I sat in their booth. You That's sat actually sat, literally sat in near. their booth? No, it was full. I sat near their booth, but it sounded better to say I sat in it. <laughs> <laughs> I sat, sat across the way. That's Somebody awesome. in their booth got very drunk and dropped a, a pint that shattered all over a, a young woman's dress. Anyway, there was a lot of revelry. Oh, absolutely. Well, speaking of revelry, there has mm. um, nothing to do with revelry in our no. scriptures today. No, you're great at doing those transitions. speaking of revelry we're not talking about revelry today no no we're not you what was last week i was listening to last week's again something about all the languages that paul spoke none of which were true (laughs) spanish spanish french i mean that's paul he has to speak everything absolutely hey we got to give some shout outs we have to give a shout out to jen Lozier, who um, just sent us an email this morning, and she said she was listening to us while working out at the gym, and she started laughing out out loud in the gym and really embarrassed herself. So <laughs> we want to see more of that. <laughs> That's awesome. I, you know, I, I want to give a shout out to my mom because she um, she wrote us oh. an email <laughs> that, um, awesome. that um, said anonymous on it. <laughs> did from i just saw her name her email she and i had dinner with her last night she's like what'd you think of my email and i was like mom you are the coolest ever she is the coolest and she well because because she was just she was just like (laughs) totally cracking a joke by signing an anonymous even though she knew it was there and and the email was funny whether or not it was signed anonymous and it was from her or if she was from her and it was anonymous because she was like, man, you guys need to slow down on your talking. I mean, you guys are just talking way too fast. And uh, she said, and halfway through the email, she was like, oh, I have the speed setting on my podcast to, <laughs> to go faster than it actually is. It was just a little internal conversation with herself. That she, we got to be wonderful. privileged. It was really absolutely wonderful. We laughed about it so much last night. She was, your mom's a stud. Well, because she's really funny. I mean, because yeah. all of that was all of that was really a humorous attempt to to get us to <laughs> give her a shout out. I love it. No, I don't think. Well, so. here's to here's to Marie Musset. I'll raise a raise a microphone to her. Woohoo, dude! Well, let's let's get into this. What are, what yeah, are we do what are we doing today? We got some Isaiah, a little yeah, bit of there's... a little bit of Psalm, a little bit of Paul, a little bit of John. There's a neat theme, I think, today, and I think it relates to uh, to the new pope and all the stuff that's going on with him. Um, so the first one comes from Isaiah, right? 
Yeah. And a quick little crash course on Isaiah. The, the reading comes from Isaiah chapter 43. A little crash course on Isaiah. We've talked about this before on this podcast, but you can split Isaiah into two halves. There's chapters 1 through 39, which is really all the bad news. So Isaiah is telling them you've been, you've been terrible, you've been unfaithful, you've broken the covenant. These are all the bad things that will happen. But then it switches. In chapter 40, you get what's called the Book of Comfort or the Book of Consolation. It tells you, although that bad stuff is going to happen, it's, it's okay because God's going to restore you and he's going to build you back up. So this comes right after that. And if you read this closely, it says, um, first of all, it begins with, with Exodus language, which we talked about last week. It says, Thus says the Lord, who opens a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who leads out char- horsemen and, uh, chariots and horsemen and powerful army, and they'll lie prostrate, never to rise. You know, our enemies are going to be destroyed just like they were in the first Exodus. And it goes on to describe what, what the rabbis name and some of the fathers of the church called a new Exodus. But really it's talking about this thing that, again, we talked about this last week, the idea of the new creation. And if you read this, so, you know, everybody everybody's waiting for the time that God's going to set things right and he's going to restore his people and he's going to fix things and sin will be forgiven da, 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 da. and if you read this what does that look like well it it looks like the desert starting to bloom and the wasteland is going to have rivers and there will wild, be wild beasts who will live in in harmony with one another and it's it's actually the created world itself the cosmos is literally going to change and things will be, br- be brought back to order it's not, you know, and this is so important for us as Catholics. It's not just this idea of me and God. It's the idea of all of the cosmos. It's this cosmological deal and God. It's a really, it's a really fascinating thing. So everybody is reading this and wondering, okay, when is this going to happen? Is this metaphorical? Is it not? It's, it's, uh, it's a really beautiful passage of all the great things that are to come. Because when Isaiah is written, they're all in the midst of all the bad stuff. So this is just kind of looking forward, saying, don't worry too much. This is, this is going to get better. Yeah, and and you know it's going to be good when jackals and ostriches are <laughs> worshiping the Lord, which is huge. Because do you know how mean ostriches are? Have you ever had a run in with an ostrich? N- no, I, usually they bury their head in the sand when they see me. No, they do not. They're mean. Man. <laughs> they are jerks. There's actually an. They, you, I don't know if it's still there. There used to be an ostrich farm out on Valmont, outside of Boulder, that I would go to in high school just to cheer myself up whenever I was feeling sad. <laughs> That's a true story. That's but awesome. If they get close to you, man, they're jerks. So they're all going to be reconciled. And, and jackals are bad news, man. Yeah, jackals are. <laughs> they're not as humorous as the ostriches. <laughs> no, but, but dude, I'll tell you, a nice pair of ostrich boots. Uh, I mean, my dad <laughs> makes custom cowboy boots. Th- those, that's some good looking leather. It's got this little funny pebble to it. So I can see that. They, they, I think my dad's boots worship the Lord. So wild beasts nice. honor the Lord now in some weird kind of bizarrely redeemed way i love it absolutely i'd like i'd like a pair of those ostrich boots please okay done thanks man thanks man yeah for sure and then the psalm so here's the there's a neat connection with that and the psalm then because the the first reading is basically saying look god's going to do all this stuff for you you don't need to worry he's going to redeem you he's going to redeem the whole cosmos that seems really jacked up as it still does today and then the psalm is kind of to prove it to you and it's saying no look you can trust this because look he's already done great things for us and it's saying look we we we've seen his mighty works in the exodus and this is probably being written around the time after the exile it's saying look we were brought back we we were brought back from the captives of Zion, the captives of zion but you know we lost babel or we lost jerusalem we lost the temple we lost our home but he brought us back and it was like laughter because we were just so giddy and happy that he actually did what he said he was going to do all, you know all the the psalms are neat if you read the psalms some scholars divide them into five major books five sections yeah. which they say really just tell the entire story of the Old Testament people. It's a retelling of salvation history in sung form, which is really, really cool. 
So this is toward the end, and it, it's showing this part in Salvation History. Look, where God was, was true to his word, and he did bring you back home. Even though we haven't seen the fullness of that restoration yet. It's saying, look, you can trust him, because look at what he's done. I, I have to say that as, as far as one of my passages that, that I return to emotionally, uh, continually in the Psalms, is this, this line, Those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Although they go forth weeping, carrying the seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. That like, there's, this, there's this total affirmation that though it's, it's rough and it's raw now, there is redemption for our sufferings. And, and I, I even see the passion and the resurrection of Jesus in the midst of this, of this Psalm 126 right at the end here, because it's, it's, yeah, totally. it's the restoration of the fortune of being in true relationship with the Lord. In some ways, we, we think that you know health and wealth sometimes on the gospel, but in reality, mm-hmm. what we're actually called to is a true fortune, true riches, which is the divine life that, that, that was intended from the beginning to, for us to be able to walk with the Lord in the cool of the evening. And now we yeah, get to walk totally. in the, with the Lord at every moment. Totally. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Dude, okay, mm. so we got uh, we we're gonna the book of Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, this is a, this is a well, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about our, uh, our our good chancellor at the University of Colorado, Phil DeStefano, and say this was written in honor of him, but <laughs> it's it's not. Although he is a good man, he is a good man, but a little bit of timing difference. A little bit, a little bit. So this is written to the Philippians. Didn't we have one from the Philippians either last week or the week before? Yeah, I think we it treated it in, a, in kind of a Philippant way, though. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, I liked that. That's good. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I was trying to think of a comeback. I was trying to think of another pun, but I've got nothing. You know, I, I learned about something, that there is actually the World Pun Championships. No, you're kidding me. No, and I What's I what thought, is it based on? Speed or <clears throat> Well, this this one the one YouTube video that I found was this guy who was tr- giving a speech using all of the states and and just totally torturing their names and like it was what? it was really beautiful. I mean, it took some real thing, but like the, it, the I think that the whole thing with it is not clapping. I think everybody just groans the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> creation groaning out in travail <laughs> yeah mm. waiting for the the revelation of the puns of men oh <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> take that victory oh. yes <laughs> oh, no. everyone's staring at me they don't shout like that at Oxford. oh oh no it was no, not I not allowed clean up my act you know, i've i've been listening to the audiobook version of brideshead revisited have you yeah and and I have to say, I can like, never get into that book. I'm sorry. I know we've referenced it like the last five weeks, but I just can't get into that book. Sorry, man. No, it did. I've tried. The language is good, but the subject is rough, man. It's not. I mean, it's it's yeah. kind of torturous. Okay, that's. Well, I feel a little bit justified because everybody loves it, and I feel like I should love it, but I just don't. So things that everybody loves are overrated. This is what I know. Yeah, Basically, that's true. Like there's a punk rocker inside of me that just like if everybody loves it, seriously, just do not engage it. It's not okay. Go find something new. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't always apply. It could be dangerous. Yeah, I, I know, I know. But that's just like that's the part of my soul that wears Doc's Martins and goes and maybe like, that's, breaks things. Maybe that's what the conclave thought about Europe. <laughs> oh, not in like a negative. Not in like a well. That, wow. 
That could be perceived as bad. <laughs> Listen, I didn't mean it. <laughs> okay, we better deal with Philemon. Let me just say on the record, I didn't mean that as rhetoric against Benedict, who I adored, and JP2, who was my hero. And, dude, I Be like... The of Argentina, man. Well, I mean, every every pope has been European until now. Well, I mean, up pri- after the third or fourth century. I mean, Peter wasn't European. Well, that's a good point. You're- Thanks, man. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what you just said and allow it to marinate in my heart. <laughs> Like some teriyaki. I, I was wondering if you would be elected pope. Mm. You know, because they can do that. They can. They're like, dude, Peter Musset, and I'm. They imagine that phone call. You're they a- would have come and got you. They would have physically have to apprehend you. I think they do actually. If if uh, there's like a there's like a canon where if they do that, they actually have to physically come and get you, so that you won't run away. Dude. That's where they lock him in the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> so they don't I- take off. I wonder what I, I wonder it. how they would I mean what would that doorbell ring look like? I mean who's <laughs> going to be there, dude? I don't know. I guess it would be Dolan. <laughs> Dolan. He's a big guy. You don't want to fight Dolan. No, you don't. I think you'd poop yourself. <laughs> can I say that online? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can say anything online. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I consider everything is a loss except Do you know do you know the word there? Oh no, it's not yet. So I said, brothers and sisters, I consider everything as a loss because it's the supreme good of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. So a little context on this. And again, I don't remember. It was last week or the week before we had Philippians. And I think, didn't what we had from Philippians? Well, I don't know when we had it, but there is a line. Chapter 2 of Philippians is what's called the canonic hymn, which is really, really cool. It's that, that whole hymn where Jesus, where Paul says, um, Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be grasped at. Rather, he, he emptied himself, emptied himself and himself. poured himself out and... Da, 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 da. So, kenosis is the Greek word meaning self-emptying. So, this is this hymn about Jesus emptied himself, poured himself out. And then Paul, who is a good teacher, and every good teacher, you know, teaching teaching only gets you so far. People want to see models. People want to see someone's life. And so, Paul says, okay, look, I'll show you. I'll put my money where my mouth is. And what you don't read right before this in chapter 3 is Paul basically giving his resume, saying, no, look at everything I had. I was the best teacher. I was from the time of Benjamin, the only one who didn't reject you know, the covenant and leave Jerusalem. I'm you know, a Pharisee of Pharisees. I have Hebrew born of Hebrews. I'm, I'm the best of the best, if I do say so myself. And then we get the line that we get right now, which is, but... I consider everything I had as a loss. Why? Because of the supreme good of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. So this is Paul's own canonic hymn. He's saying, look, Jesus Christ took everything he had. He was God, but he became like one of he became one of us. He poured all that out and took the form of a slave. Look, I had everything in a worldly sense. I could have been teaching at whatever yeshiva I wanted to. But look, I count it all as loss now. I consider it, he says, I consider them so much rubbish. You know that word in Greek? Have we talked about this? It, is this a vernacular one? Yeah. So ba- basically, scubola. Scubola. If you want to Google that really quickly, everyone, <laughs> it does not yeah. mean rubbish. Let's just put it that way. Does it is uh, uh, does it mean poop? Yeah, it's. I mean, commentators who try to deal with it in an academic way don't know what to do with it. They're like, it's the stuff that one flushes down to the toilet in the commode. So that's literally what it is. It's not trash. So I mean, which <coughs> you know, I'm not just trying to make poop jokes. <laughs> Although everybody loves a good poop joke. But it's um the thirteen year old in me loves any opportunity to talk about poop. But the point is, I mean he's he could have just said trash, right? He could have said rubbish, but he didn't. He's actually really trying to emphasize, overemphasize. 
his point here. He countered it. It's an, he's trying to create the best analogy he can to what Christ has actually done, which is not just, oh, I'm going to become like my creatures and kind of be among them. No, he emptied himself completely, and I count everything that I had in the same way as, as poop to be <laughs> flushed down the toilet compared to what I've been given. And he says, it's in that that I'm going to be glorified. Um, so it's it, what's interesting about it, I think, is the the connection. You know, so the question is, okay, well, what on earth does that have to do with the first reading, and the and and the psalm for that matter? And I think what's interesting is that, you know, in the first reading of the psalm, there's all this talk of, okay, we're waiting to be glorified again. We're waiting for the day we can sit on our pedestal again, where we have a beautiful kingdom and we have influence and authority, and we're you know top of our game again. And Paul is actually showing that, yeah, that's actually happened, but it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. Your glory now is in your humility. Your glory is in the fact that you can count the things of the world as scubula, as poop, compared to the surpassing dignity that Christ has given you, which it's just cool. And I, mean, I was thinking about that last night as I was you know, reading more about our new Holy Father who sold the apostolic palace to live in an apartment and got rid of his limousine service so he could ride the bus every day. And, you know, when, when his greatest moments were kissing the feet of AIDS patients and washing them. I mean, this is a prince of the church who had the rights of an apostolic palace. But he counts it all as rubbish. At least that's, that's my reading of the guy so far. Well, is that he, he, yeah. he's doing what Paul is saying. Well, what's interesting, too, is, is I think that this is actually also really important to remember when we're looking at the Pope. Because... Yeah essentially by becoming the Pope, even that simplicity, he now has to actually count as rubbish because as as the Supreme Pontiff, he just lost everything of what he thinks his life is. Yes. And, and, and the Supreme knowledge of Jesus Christ, it is the only thing that is the possession of the Pope. We surround, we surround the, uh, there's a part in Paul where it says, uh, those parts that are less honorable, we surround with greater honor. So all of the all of the tiaras and the um, and the the miters and the fancy shoes and the the um, um, processions and guards Pope and mobile don't forget the Pope mobile Pope mobile all of those things are surrounding with greater honor one of the least honorable jobs that ever has to happen because because all of the crap is going to boil down to him the stuff totally. the stuff that is absolutely the most difficult because I mean he has the munera of governing teaching and sanctifying and and that governing part is brutal and he yeah. and and he just lost his whole life for Jesus Christ and the supreme knowledge of knowing him and forever um, for forever and and that's where benedict um, he's going to wear his stuff forever and so is francis these are these guys are um and i don't know i, I just think it's important to remember yeah. that this isn't this isn't some Beautiful. sort of like Hey, now he gets to dance around and you know eat exactly. all the fancy things that he wants and have all of the what the world has to offer. In fact, actually, he just forsook it in a way that only a pope could understand. Yeah, gosh, that's really beautiful. So, he, so he continues his pursuit of the, toward the goal to the prize of God's upward calling in Jesus Christ, whatever so that it means. A- so it was appropriate that he, the first thing he did yesterday was ask us all to pray for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's gonna need it, man. So sweet. So John, so Johannes, Johannes, Paulus. No, this is just John. He mm, doesn't. Just he, John. I, I, I just have to say, I love the mm. the the hope that taking a, a brand new line of name comes with our new pope. 
Yeah, isn't that cool? He's like, I'm not following any other strain. I mean, I loved John Paul when he, John Paul II took John Paul the first name because he was only Pope for a little while. <laughs> a couple days. <laughs> and, then, and then and then croaks. And then I, I love Benedict the Sixteenth. <laughs> like, I love that he, he's taking up that line. And I love that Francis yeah. is like, let's start a new line because there is hope and we are in a springtime in the church. Like, I don't know. Absolutely. I just I just feel invigorated. Like, it's not the end. Like, this is yeah. something, something new is happening. Absolutely. I mean, and everyone's debating, you know, is it Francis Xavier? Is it Francis of Assisi? I mean, they both apply, you know, I mean, the missionary zeal of Francis Xavier. I mean, this is definitely a missionary priest. And, you know, the, the not only the simplicity of Franny, but of Francis Assisi, but, you know, the whole calling of the Pope, you know, rebuild my church, which is exactly what we actually need in some in some senses, you know, not maybe what the world thinks we need rebuilding on, but but in, in very real ways. So. Yeah, it's a new beginning on both accounts. It's cool. As they say in the business, word up. As they, as they do say. <coughs> okay, let's 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 talk about the Mount of Olives with uh, with Jesus, because because we still haven't gotten to a connection between all three of these, which I'm really looking forward to your insight, because because I I wasn't able to come up with one. Between all three of what? The, Didn't we? The read fall for the readings. <laughs> well, we connected the first three, didn't we? We we did. How how did we do that? Okay. Well, I thought we did. The whole, uh, you know, so the first reading. Okay, so so well, let, let's let's do the John. I think I think I have a thought on this. I'm still I'm still kind of working it out in my head. So so we have this story, which is kind of familiar to everybody, right? Okay. And John, well, yeah, everyone's kind of familiar with this. So Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. He's teaching in the temple area, and it's the the, fri- the scribes and the Pharisees are constantly kind of going back. They're constantly slamming him. They're they're saying you don't understand the law. You're you're just sort of. You're just sort of being flippant about it, you know, all these things. And and keep in mind, so the Pharisees get a bad rap because they were hypocritical. But the one of the strands of logic that created the Pharisees, I mean, it actually makes some sense. So, I mean, again, picture you're the people of Israel. You've lost your kingdom. You've lost your land. You're, you know, you have warlords and, and domineering nations over you. You lost your status, you know, as a, as a light to the world. You haven't been a light to the world. You've... You've lost the presence of God in the temple for Pete's sake. All these things. And you have these people wondering, okay, God made all these promises that he's going to come back to us and that he's going to redeem us, but how on earth do we get there? And the Pharisees came to this conclusion, okay, how did we lose God's presence? How did we lose our sort of standing in the world in the first place? Well, we broke the law. We were unfaithful to it. God's not coming back. We don't know what else to do. We've waited for a long time. The only thing we can think of is then to keep the law perfectly. And that's all we can think of to get him to come back. And so the Pharisees, not only did they strive to keep the law, they stacked, you know, laws upon laws upon laws so that you couldn't even get close to breaking the actual laws because you'd have to break a lot of exterior laws just to get there. Mm. So, I mean, you can kind of see... You can kind of see, I mean, they were hypocrites, but you can see where they come from or where their logic's coming from. And so they're the people who are waiting and wondering how these prophecies like the one from Isaiah are actually going to come about because the world sure as heck doesn't look like that yet. So they're wondering, okay, when's God going to do this? And so here's Jesus who is, who's battering down their whole perception, their whole, their whole worldview. And, and then you get this climactic moment. He's got this woman who's caught in adultery. And, um, you know, everybody wants to stone her. And it's, it's this, you know, it's this saying, right? We've seen this a million times. And uh, in the law, Moses permitted. It, it says commanded. There, there's a distinction we actually have to make. And in a few lines down, it says, Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? One thing we just have to say off the bat, it's not 
so much as of a command as we ought to look at it. It's a concession. And in a lot of ways, the, the Old Testament law, the Deuteronomic law, is concessionary. It's, it's kind of plan B. It's God saying, okay, you desperately want to do these things that are not healthy for you? Fine, I will, I will concede it. I will allow that. Like divorce, Jesus says, you know, from the beginning, it wasn't supposed to be that way. But Moses allowed it. So the Pharisees are actually rewording things. They're saying, no, Moses commanded it. I think Jesus would come back and say, no, Moses conceded it because your hearts are super hard. But there's a time for that to end. And uh, so, you know, we should stone this woman. Then he bring he bends down. There's this cryptic scene where he's writing things. You know, he's playing tic-tac-toe with himself in the sand. <laughs> and then he stands up and he says, he was without, without sin. Let him be the first one to throw a stone at her. And then, you know, over his shoulder comes this rock, which nails her in the face. And he turns around <laughs> and he's like, Mom. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's not true. That's a, a joke that I've stolen, which I don't even like that much. Yeah, that's right. kind of, that's like a really, it's shocking. I have to go like, oh, no, that was not okay. <laughs> yeah. But so people wonder, what is he writing in the sand? You know, some say he's writing the names of all the Pharisees and scribes and all the sins that they've committed. You know, who knows? Who knows what he's actually writing? But. Um, but I mean, this is it, right? I mean, this is this is sort of bringing us back to the first reading. What's the point of the first reading? The, f- the point of the f- if you contextualize the first reading, the point is you guys were awful. You guys are all a nation of sinners. You're corrupt. You've you've abandoned your ways. You've abandoned everything. But guess what? God is actually going to stretch His arm out and reconcile you and put creation back the way it's supposed to be, despite the fact that you're you're a big load of losers in a lot of ways. And so, in some sense. Jesus is actually embodying that in this reading from John. He's actually doing what it said he was going to do. But, but again, nobody was really looking for it in the way that it happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I have a feeling that he might be uh, have been saying, writing in the ground, the Hesed. Yeah, maybe. The enduring, the enduring love of God forever. To just say, <laughs> give me the Hesed. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we don't know. I like the fact that he straightens up. Like he's bent down and he's writing, and then he straightens up. Like, okay, bring it on. You want to play this game? He says, "Let the first one among you without sin throw a stone." Punk. (laughs) I think the original Greek had the word punk. Punkos. This takes it out. (laughs) Super nerdy humor. It really, it really is. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I don't commend you. You know. in a certain sense, he's embodying what she ought to do, bent over, and then he stands up straight. I mean, she is, in a certain sense, bent over under the weight of her sin. And because of her encounter, he's asking her, okay, stand up straight now. Go and don't sin anymore. Be straight. Be be tall. Be dignified. So he's he's kind of embodying what he's asking of her, in a certain sense. Which is kind of the posture of an ostrich. It is the posture of an ostrich. Get your head out of the sand, lady. <laughs> he takes his head out of the sand. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to connect them, and this is. It's not very easy this week. I just have no, to say, it's not. It's hard. It's hard. I told you this two weeks ago. It was going to be hard this week. <laughs> Didn't I predict that? You did predict this, and and uh, I, I just, you know, well, <clears throat> with the second reading, it's one thing. You know, forget what lies behind, but strain to f- move forward to what lies ahead. You have to actually let go because the mercy of God is is actually setting you free. 
And, and so this woman has to move forward. And that's in, in some ways, that's the same thing that's happening in the first reading is that the, yeah. is that the, the Lord is opening a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. And he's going to actually take away the army that is charging you. Cause we see an army oh, in, wow. the, in the first reading, um, uh, from Egypt, which is slavery. You see an army in John, which is this law that's oppressive and not setting you free. You see, um, <clears throat> and how is it embodied? It's embodied by an army of Pharisees and scribes who are literally about to kill you. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, it takes on a pretty, a pretty literal meaning, doesn't it? It does. And then, and then, in in some ways, <clears throat> Paul, having lived this out, what he sees is is mm-hmm. that the the world itself is actually an uh, um, a, an army trying to to draw you away from the supreme knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. And in, in, in some ways it's, it's not something that's, that's a, pos, a possessive thing from the outside. Did that guy drop something? Um, uh, there's some money. <laughs> Thanks. I might've, yeah, yeah. There's money on my bench. I don't know if somebody thought I was a beggar or, <laughs> or if I dropped it out of my pocket. <laughs> Anyway, I might have, maybe I dropped it out of my pocket. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that guy. I watched that guy walk across your screen, so I, I don't think he dropped anything. But there was a guy earlier. Oh, yeah, I saw him yeah. too. But, but this is the thing. I think that the timing is right because you know I consider everything a loss, even money on my bench, compared it's to this. Probably my money. Supreme it, knowledge. Yes, everything. Everything. <laughs> that's it. That's it, though, man. I mean, I think that's. I think you nailed it. Look at you. Hey, hey! That's a, you did it, Dude. and it's good because I don't think we can edit this week. So no, we really can't. <laughs> you, we can't. You concisely edited it well. Thanks. Yeah, I, this, I just figured yeah. we had we had to do this in one take. Which friends, it's we good. we never really do that. Oh, you have no idea, guys. And I, I'm sorry if I was a little bit heady. This, it's kind of heady readings this week. And I, but the other thing is, people keep walking past me, and I have to sound like I'm intelligent because I'm visiting Oxford. <laughs> So I'll be, I'll be back to my stupid stuff last week, next week. Yeah, and they're all wearing tuxedos as they walk past. They've all dressed for dinner. Well, you don't realize. Actually, they are. There's there's a graduation of one of the terms this week, and so literally half the people in the town are wearing tuxedos. Not, Not that guy, but <laughs> others are. It's a fascinating place here. Next time I'm coming, and I'm just gonna come and hang out at Oxford with you. Next. Oh man, do it! It's you would just be you would it's nuts. You would be in heaven. I think it's the most, I think it's the most beautiful town on earth. It's just unbelievable. I can't even. No, I just love it here. Yeah. <clears throat> well, friends, oh. that is what we have for you this week. Is um, that's what we got. Is um, I don't know what's pursuing you. The stuff that's inside. I don't know if it's uh, if it's an army that's opposing you from outside, but um, the Lord will give you a path through whatever you're doing. Um, and uh, and and we have to keep our eyes on the prize of G- God's upward calling in Jesus Christ that we're meant for um, life in Him, and uh, that's that's pretty it's pretty awesome stuff because it's uh, less than a fortnight until we um, get into Holy Week. Mm, it's coming. And saddle up. Saddle and we up. We got a new Pope for it. And we got a new Pope. I mean, that's got to be pretty crazy <laughs> to be able to have a. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Did you just burp? I did, and it was in a word. I was trying to play it off because they won't notice. They won't see that that was... I wasn't going to say anything, but it... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> we can't edit it, so what are you going to do? What can we do? <laughs> now we're... And we're... Yeah, it's just an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be a Catholic. It's an exciting time to be watching the world, and things are... 
things are good. Things are good. Things are, and that's the that's the other key theme of the readings, right? Things are not quite as glum as they seem. No, no. Despite despite everything around you, despite the armies that are trouncing over you, there's there's more than meets the eye. There's more than meets the eye with this new holy father. The whole world is not what it seems. More really than meets thing. the eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless you all from Oxford, from Boulder, the word across the pond. Mm, the lank across the sea. The lank that... The lank that, sh- that launched a million ships. <laughs> 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 oh. Well, thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Email us, uh, lankyguys at thomascenter.com. Or... Or... Dot com. or <laughs> thomascenter.lankyguys.ac.uk.edu <laughs> Sorry, just... Uh, Don't listen to him. Us. Email us. Goodbye. Story. Goodbye. <laughs> the Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week. <laughs>